Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters, where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up. And folks, can you believe it? It is 2019. It's a new year. We've got new goals to set, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we get into that, I want to talk about some things that are coming up that are very near and dear to me. Of course, I'm talking about the Association of Water Technologies annual training that we do each and every year. Folks, it is my favorite thing to do. I meet so many people out there in the Scaling Up Nation from going to these trainings, and I also find new listeners because people said, hey, I didn't know there was a podcast about water treatment, but now that I do, I want to listen to the show. And my most favorite thing to do ever is to teach proper water treatment. And there's so many people out there that want to do the best job they can and they need to get more information so they can do that. And folks, if this is you that I am describing, this is where you need to be. It is one of the best training programs for water treatment on the planet. And the Association of Water Technologies puts it on twice a year. And this year, the AWT is putting that on in San Diego, California. That's going to be February 27th through March 2nd. And we're going to do it one more time in Annapolis, Maryland, March 27th through March 30th. Folks, I can't say enough good things about this training. I hope you attend and I hope I see you there. If you see me, please come up to me, give me some show ideas, let me know what you think about the show, and I just want to shake your hand and thank you for being part of the Scaling Up Nation. Folks, as I said before, it's 2019, and I hope you are already off to a good start thinking about things differently. 2018 might have been a great year for you. It might have been a year where you were learning how to do things better. So either come off of 2018 as a springboard on things that you're going to do to make yourself better, or keep the momentum that you have had or keep the momentum that you had coming out of 2018 to just make 2019 that much better. So I'm hoping that you are thinking about some of the goals that you are going to accomplish this year. You're writing those down and you're sharing that with somebody who is going to hold you accountable. One of the goals that I have every year is to read. And for the longest time, I was not able to read because I'm just too busy driving around seeing clients, which of course in and of itself is a great thing, but windshield time can absolutely kill your productivity. So a lot of people enjoy this show because they get to listen to it to and from their customer locations. But another tool that you can use is Audible. Audible is a great service because it allows you to multitask while you're driving. Folks, please make sure you're paying attention while you're driving, whether you're listening to this podcast or you are listening to Audible. But if you're driving responsibly and you're listening to an audio book, Audible, I think, is the best service out there to do that. Now, if you want to try Audible, I can get you a free month and a free book by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Audible and you can try this service for yourself. 
Audible is how I read so many books in a year, and it's how I continue to get more information that I can share with you on the Scaling Up program. So I hope you try that. I know you're going to love it. Today, we're going to be talking about problem solving. Now, many of us will go into problem solving by finding a problem and solving it. It is my hope that you are skilled, are becoming skilled to find what the proper issue is that really needs to be identified and then solved. So many of us just don't realize that a lot of the problems that we're facing day to day are symptoms of an issue that if we identify properly, we can not only solve the one problem that is right in front of us, but also the 20 other symptoms of that. So next time you are trying to solve an issue, ask yourself, is this the underlying issue that's causing this with all issues, or is this just simply a symptom of an issue that I have not identified yet? With that in mind, we are going to talk to Jason Burt, and he's going to tell us about lean manufacturing. And you're thinking, okay, Trace, why are we talking about manufacturing when so many of us are out there servicing? Well, I learned from Jason that we are thinking about lean incorrectly. It is a problem-solving tool, and I want you to learn what I learned from Jason Burt. My lab partner today is Jason Burt, lean production expert. And Jason, we're going to talk about all things lean and why people need to think about their processes and make sure they're efficient. But I want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up and educating the Scaling Up Nation about what you do. Oh, thanks for having me, Trace. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So what exactly does a lean production expert do? Well, I guess, first of all, you know, I don't use expert very often because it's tough to be considered one of the best. I don't know that anyone can really put themselves there. There's always so many other people out there that you can learn from. But, you know, what I do as a lean consultant or business consultant, I, I work with a lot of different individual businesses, mostly manufacturing, some service, some other companies. And I use lean manufacturing to help them fix their businesses, to help them become more profitable, uh, to turn around their companies. I've been trained in lean manufacturing, worked directly with Toyota, but I've used that process and I kind of use it at a very broad sense across the entire business to help lots of different companies and a lot of different industries. I'm curious, how did you get started in that? Well, I worked at Herman Miller, which is an office furniture company for 16 years and very early on back in the mid 90s. They were looking for a way to, to help themselves out. They were struggling, particularly the one facility that I was working in where delivery was horrible, quality was horrible, our costs were completely out of line, and they were looking for help, and they actually connected with Toyota and basically struck up a relationship with them where Toyota became their mentors and started teaching them about the Toyota production system, which is essentially lean manufacturing here in the States. So I was very fortunate back in 95 to start working with Toyota, who invented lean manufacturing, and I worked with them side by side for 16 years. And with that, I created a lot of connections 
in a lot of different uh, suppliers and customers and people throughout that uh, engagement. And I eventually started getting enough phone calls of people asking me to come help them uh, that my business just kind of got teed up. I wasn't really planning on leaving or planning on starting a business, but I believe in one week I kind of turned to my wife and said, you know, I have I got five phone calls this week for people wanting me to help them. I think it's time for me to to pull the trigger and make this happen. That seems like a right sign, right? Yes, that's right. So it just kind of happened. So there are a lot of people listening today and they either own their company or they work for somebody who owns the company, obviously, and they're out servicing accounts and they're in the water treatment industry. So why do these folks even need to know what lean is? They're not building cars. They're not Toyota. Yeah, I think... That's one of the big misconceptions. I, I really hate the terminology lean manufacturing because lean or the Toyota production system has been applied to so many different industries. There's a huge movement right now in healthcare. Many, many hospitals are, are embracing lean and trying to figure out how to create that, that lean culture to solving problems. And I think what the reality is, is as much as lean is about, you know, there's, there's, technical tools and these different processes that are put in place. More than that, it is about developing people and teaching people how to solve problems, which if you think of it that way, if you think about developing people and teaching them to solve problems related to your business, related to efficiencies, it can really be applied to any and all industries. And I've been very fortunate to work in service industries and manufacturing industries did some work on commercial farm to the point of where we're picking cucumbers in a field. How do we process it all the way to the to the shelf in the store? So any and all businesses at the end of the day, they have processes that people are involved in, that there's equipment involved in, and there's always opportunity to remove waste or to make them more efficient and solve problems and for us to uh, get better. So, for example, can we pick a particular process in the water treatment industry and maybe go into that and explain how we can make that more efficient? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, of course, to be in business, we all need to have customers. So let's talk about acquiring a customer. Yeah, I think that's a great example that, you know, like we were just talking about how I think lean can be applied to any and all businesses. And I've talked with a lot of small business owners about, you know, what does that sales funnel look like? What does it look like to acquire a customer? And with lean, once once again, like I said, it's all about problem solving, right? It's all about understanding what processes you currently are using, measuring how effective they are, and trying to figure out, you know, what the gap is uh, for what you're trying to, to make happen, right? So if you're reaching out to, you know, X amount of customers, 100 customers, and you're getting a, an acquisition rate of, you know, maybe 25% of those customers or 5% or whatever that is, you know, first of all, you have to be measuring it to be able to figure out how big the gap is, how big my problem is. If you're reaching out to hundreds of people and you're not getting any, obviously that's a big problem if you're targeting and you're trying to hit some specific number from an acquisition standpoint. But first of all, you have to understand what that gap is and then you can start looking at the process. What are the processes I'm I'm taking? Am I trying to go through social media? Am I going through, you know, email campaign? Am I doing some type of marketing campaign, advertising campaign? Each one of those approaches can be looked at and analyzed and tried to figure out what is working or not working 
and trying to improve it to be able to increase that acquisition rate. So I know I know that doesn't sound like lean manufacturing, but anytime we're looking at a gap from what you're trying to accomplish, that is essentially what a problem is, right? The, that's kind of the, the definition of a problem. We have a standard and we're not able to, to meet that standard. So every time there's a problem like that, we can use lean manufacturing problem solving techniques to try and close that gap and try and improve the process. Do different tests, whatever we have to do to try and uh, close that gap. Does that make sense, Trace? It definitely does. And Jason, I got to tell you, I've never thought about lean manufacturing outside of your building a product. So the fact that we can apply that to going out and acquiring a customer, what the sales cycle is to what we're building indoors to sell the customer. I just never looked at it that way before. Yeah, a great example of that is if you look at a lot of people that are using digital advertising, social media advertising, and they talk about A-B testing. That is a form of problem solving or using, you know, uh, which would be, you know, kind of a tool that you would learn if you started investigating around lean and trying to develop that skill set. Because they're basically saying, okay, I'm getting X amount of clicks when I get, you know, I put this uh, post out on Facebook and it was viewed 10,000 times and I got 500 clicks. Well, now they're going to take that exact same post and they're going to say, I'm going to subtly change the image to see what kind of effect I have. Does it change the amount of clicks? Or I'm gonna change the wording subtly to see how it affects. So so that A-B testing from a marketing and digital advertising standpoint, you know, they're just problem solving. That's what they're doing. They're trying to close that gap and see how efficient they can be within that specific task. And that's really what lean is. It's it's teaching people how to problem solve, how to, how to frame up a problem very clearly and then take a very structured approach to solve it wherever that is in your business. Well, let's take a more traditional process that most of us think about when we're thinking about lean, which would be manufacturing. So I've now sold the client and now we have our special juice that we we make that we sell as water treatment wares. And I of course have a process on when I need to make items, when I need to downpack items, when they need to ship out to the customer. What are some things we can do with that to make that more efficient? I think the first place you always start with is where's the biggest impact to your customer? What is the customer looking for? So with your current process, you kind of need to pick and choose what's most important. Right now, let's say there's a long lead time or where the quality level is or where the cost level is. There's probably, you know, one or the other that's more important to the client at this point in time or the young customer that probably has more value for you to look at. So let's say it's cost. If it's cost, then the question is, is looking at that entire process and starting to analyze where are the big cost factors? Are the cost factors in terms of time and actual processing? Are the cost factors in terms of material? Is there scrap or waste in the process? You know, is it delivery expenses, logistics? But I think everything from a lean perspective, you have to start with the customer because at the end of the day, that's that's who we're trying to service and that's what's most important. Great example of that is, you know, I, I, I constantly have potential clients that will reach out to me and say, I have this process that is, you know, it's messed up. Uh, typically, they're manufacturing and they'll want me to go to the shop floor and help them fix a specific manufacturing process. 
But when I start digging into it, this has happened multiple times, as I start digging into it, what are you trying to solve for your customer? And, you know, most recently, probably about six months ago, I had a client say, well, we're really trying to solve lead time. That's the big thing that they have an issue with. Well, their manufacturing process was probably two days, but the rest of their processes were about was about three weeks. I said, well, this is the last place you need to be focusing is on the manufacturing floor. We need to get into your office and understand order entry. We need to understand the logistics side of it. We need to understand where is the actual lead time coming from because that's what we should be doing to fix the problem for your customer. So they were chasing the wrong problem. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's just another example where lean, so many people think of lean manufacturing and they only want to think of the manufacturing processes. But, you know, no different with you guys uh, in the water treatment world. You know, I'm not as familiar with that world, but of those different processes, when you stack them up, it's important to figure out what are you truly trying to impact for the customer to know where to look. Jason, let me ask, what are some of the processes that you use to try to make sure you're solving the right problem? Well, I guess, first of all, is, like I said, truly trying to figure out what the customer wants, right? I mean, that's the the first thing. But when you start digging into a problem, that problem-solving process can be very difficult depending upon um, where you're looking or what you're trying to solve. Many times you can get confused and you're fixing things that aren't really going to impact the, you know, the end result or the metric that you're trying to change. So I I think it's important to have a clear image of what you're trying to accomplish. So if it's, um, you know, I'm trying to affect cost, what is the cost factor? You know, what is that number that you're trying to affect so you can measure your effectivity against that problem? So I think, you know, when we start talking about having some good metrics or things in place that'll guide you to Am I working on the right thing, first of all? And when I am working there, am I actually having an effect on the problem? So whether that be a lead time problem, a quality problem, a cost problem, you know, those are all different types of problems. And and there's a lot of different metrics that can be underneath those headers uh, that you can put in place to help guide you to know if you're truly having the impact for the customer that you're hoping to. Well, metrics seem to be a key term in in what you just said. And was it Peter Drucker that said what gets measured gets better? I believe so. Yeah. Who said that? Uh, All right. Let's say we'll, we'll give it to him. Somebody can write in and tell me I'm wrong. But until I know otherwise, we'll say Peter Drucker said it. So just by the simple fact we're looking at something, we know it's going to get better because now it's in the foreground. Now we're able to look at it. And Jason, I don't mind sharing with you that when I work with other water treatment companies, something that I find is that a lot of them don't keep score. They do the day-to-day, but as far as doing some of the things that you're talking about and looking at how they're keeping score with those metrics, they're not doing that. So what advice do you have for them? As far as the metrics, you know, it's such a difficult thing. I, I work with so many companies of so many different sizes, and it's amazing how many of them don't have good metrics in place. I'm talking large companies, you know, $100 million companies that I will work with. And I look at the metrics and they don't have the controls in front of them to be able to make good, solid decisions, what to work on, what to do next. And, and it really amazes me. It's, it's shocking that there's so many companies like that. 
And I think to have those right metrics, you have to be looking at uh, a few different things. One, you know, the popular thing that that everyone looks at is financials. And I think those are, you know, obviously very important. But the problem with financials is those are after the fact. That it's too late to affect them. Right? The 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 financials are, hey, this is what happened last month. Well, that's too late. So I think the key to developing metrics is developing metrics that are close enough both in real time and at a low enough level to the processes that are happening that they're giving you the feedback very quickly as to what's happening, right? I don't want to find out a month later that I, um, you know, that my uh, delivery was horrible this past month, right? It's too late to change that path for those customers. I want to know on a daily basis. I want to know, heck, on an hourly basis if I can. So, so I think the key to good metrics is one, as real time as possible. And I know that's not always a reality to have it immediately, but I would rather know at the end of the day how well my metrics are going than at the end of the week or at the end of the month. And then, like I said, I think the other thing is is trying to bring metrics as low as possible. Everyone typically wants to measure at the highest level. You know, I've thrown out uh, lead time, quality, and cost. Those are very much umbrella terms. If you're measuring your quality as an entire company, in my opinion, that is way too high because quality has so many different aspects to it. Um, it's difficult to guide you to tell you whether or not you're going in the right direction or not. Um, same with cost, same with lead time. I think you need to bring those metrics, those umbrellas and bring them down and have very specific metrics underneath that are tailored to your specific business, to your specific customer base that makes sense. So that, that would be my advice is, is try and get them as real time as possible and as low level as possible that it, that it has some specific value to you on a day-to-day basis. Jason, are lagging metrics useless? So do I not use the P&L anymore? Do I not use the, the balance sheet, things like that? No, not at all. I mean, those are obviously, you know, I think critical for running a business. That's typically one of the first things I, I ask for when I come into a business to start helping them and evaluate them, because I think it tells you a story. It is lagging. Like you said, it is a story after the fact, but it's also going to at the end of the day, as a business, you know, that's what you're trying to ultimately affect by being better for the customer, by having better performance. So you want to see that move as well. But I want to make sure that people understand that, you know, what I do today, I can't wait a month to find out if it was effective or not. That P&L is going to be most likely reflect many, many, many activities that a business owner or a leadership group has taken to affect that P&L, not just one. So we need to be able to see on each and every problem, how are we affecting things, if that makes sense. So I think they're both very valuable. I think they just kind of provide two different purposes. So definitely it makes a lot of sense, but I can't help but thinking again of Toyota where they have the resources to do real-time measurements and they've got monitors over every single station and they know every single unit as it's being produced. For somebody who it doesn't have the resources like that, how do they get real-time metrics? Yeah, so I think it's, you know, once again, it's different with every business. You know, I think you have to develop what makes sense for you. And, and I don't ever want, you know, a lean approach to become an extra burden on someone because that's 
that can't happen. Uh, if it becomes an extra burden or extra work, most likely the journey will end very quickly. So I think the key is how do you figure out a way to institute lean into your daily activity? So if I have a delivery route, for example, you know, the question is, is how do I know instead of just using very general, hey, I'm going to be there at eight o'clock, I'm going to be there at 930, I'm going to be there at 12. How do we get more specific? Just even if it's just from a learning standpoint to say, well, how long should this appointment have lasted? Yeah, I gave myself an hour, but should it have lasted 30 minutes or should it have lasted 45 minutes and evaluating yourself based on that? Because if you can say, yep, it's consistently 45 minutes, but what do I do to be able to get it down to 30 minutes? Now we can look at, well, maybe we can get two within an hour, right? So it's, it may not have an immediate impact, but I, but I think we have to measure at that lower level to be able to, to see where the opportunities are to improve. If we're just at a very general, hey, I want to get uh, seven deliveries in today, there's so much flex back and forth where some I may be faster, some I'm, I'm late. You kind of lose the opportunity of where is my opportunity to improve? Where can I get more efficient? Does that resonate, Trace? Absolutely, it does. They're, they're great places to start. Definitely good questions to ask. But then we probably need somebody like yourself to help us guide it through that process. Because again, until you and I started talking, I thought that lean production or lean manufacturing always dealt with, you know, the automotive industry or you were building something. So you have really opened my eyes that uh, it's it's simply problem solving. Yes, very much so. I, I think, you know, I, I wish I could go back in time at some level and, and be able to change some of the terminology and, you know, change how the lean, uh, you know, movement and the Toyota production system started spreading and uh, there were a lot of misunderstandings early on that were spread you know to many industries and and I think uh, uh, there's a lot of industries now that are missing out on, on the possibilities of how lean could help them uh, become uh, much better companies. I've really enjoyed reading some books on this process, and I can't remember which one I read, but they uh, gave me the idea of using Kanban cards. Is that something that you use regularly? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Do you mind talking a little bit about those? Because we find that that has solved a tremendous problem here. Yeah, so Kanban is it's essentially uh, the Japanese word for card. So um, here in the States, we most of us don't know that. So we always say Kanban cards. We're actually saying card, card, but but Kanban. I didn't know that. I just said it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right. So it, it's interesting. Kanban is essentially the way Toyota uh, or the lean you know, industry we use to connect processes. So both internal and external processes. So Kanban is a communication tool um, that has specific information that tells us um, potentially when to order something, when to manufacture something. It creates a very specific customer supply relationship. So if we have two machines, for example, in a manufacturing process, we have an assembly line and we have a you know welding machine, welding a door, there may be a Kanban that every time an assembly car goes by, a Kanban goes to the welder that says, you can now weld another door. It controls that connection between those two processes and gives the process authority to 
produce or to potentially purchase uh, more product and put it into the system. So it, it really kind of limits and controls the amount of inventory between one or two processes. So Kanban is a, you know, it's a very broad term because there's a lot of different uses for it, whether that be up front in an office and we're talking about, hey, I'm order entry and I'm ready for the next stack of 10 orders from the sales team here's a card and give me the next 10 and I'm controlling that flow of information or controlling flow on a manufacturing floor. You you can use Kanban in a lot of different ways. And at the end of the day, you know, Kanban, just like all lean tools are really there to help highlight problems so we can solve them. So if for some reason that assembly line example I produce a card back to the welding area and they don't get me the door in time, I can see the problem very quickly. So now I can go down that problem solving path because at the end of the day, that's what lean really funnels down to. It's that problem solving process. And a lot of the tools that they use are just ways to help us see the problems uh, easier in the process. It really was a great tool here. Uh, And the problem that we fixed, it it was so silly. Everybody has access to taking products or or pails of products that we have, but only one person was able to do the ordering or generate what needed to happen to, to get something to come in, and people would forget to tell that person. So by simply just putting that card on there, we now have a process where that card now goes to where those cards go, and nobody has to remember to tell anybody because it's built right into the card. Yep, that's great. Yeah, it, w- it was so silly, and uh, we've been using that for about a year now, and I kind of wonder how we got along without that. I also realize I've been calling it a card card, so I'll stop doing that. No, that's all right. That type of thing. A long time ago, I actually tried to implement Kanban in my kitchen and realized very quickly that my marriage was much more important than trying to bring lean home. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, I, I, I drove me nuts. Like, how can we be out of ketchup, you know, or whatever the item was, and uh but I realized that, you know, there's a there's a point in time where you separate uh, your personal life and your work life. So that was one of them. <laughs> I also have made the mistake of bringing some things that were very successful here in business home and they just don't translate well. That's right. That's right. Jason, what are some of the biggest problems that you've solved for people? Well, that's a that's a very broad question. Many of my clients are private equity firms where they'll bring me in and a company is distressed many times. And, you know, I've been very proud to be able to turn some companies around and, you know, where they were able to succeed and and continue on where they probably wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, We had an aerospace company in Wichita a few years back that basically there were 120 jobs there that they were significantly behind. I believe they were, you know, they were a 15 million, $20 million company and they were past due about $3 million and were losing significant amount of money on a monthly basis. And, uh, in about a year, we were able to turn them around, get them into the black and, you know, allow them the, the opportunity to continue producing product and, and being successful moving on. So, so those are the the successes that really get me excited is is when you see a, a leadership team or a group uh, within the company that that really embrace lean and and take it and and take it to that level where they have some just some extreme success, um, whether it's you know both on the learning side and then obviously from the business process side as well. 
Let me ask you this. What are some of the biggest mistakes that people you work with make after you've started implementing your new process? I would say the biggest mistake that I see is when they stop. It's very easy to take the success that you've had and be very happy with it, which you should be, but you're so busy patting yourself on the back that uh, you don't realize how much more is there, just the the overall possibilities. So, so many, I think, companies in general and, and a few of my clients have, have gone down that path where, you know, we get to a point and we have some great success and, you know, I'll take that as a failure on me if I wasn't able to communicate and instill with them the need to continue on, you know, enough to where they realize how much more was possible, how much more was, you know, there for them to be better for their customer, to develop their people within their organization. You know, I've had many companies that have that have taken it on well beyond me and 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 I've been very proud of it in that way. But, you know, every time I see a company that we we have some great success, we accomplish the short-term goal that they had in their mind but I wasn't able to convince them of that long-term possibility. That's that's probably the the greatest failure that I see in companies. And, and that's, I think, one of the biggest struggles in my industry uh, and myself when you hate seeing that type of failure because there's just so much more. You think of Toyota, they've been doing it now for, you know, gosh, for 70 years, they've been down this path and they haven't stopped. It just shows how long you can continue to go down and keep improving your processes. Jason, let me ask, what is the one thing that you want the Scaling Up Nation to get from this conversation? Well, I think the best thing that that your audience can take away from this, and and I'm actually going to say two things. I hope that's okay. So, So the first thing is, is that lean is not just a manufacturing uh, way of thinking, right? It can be if someone wants to learn about it, they want to, you know, go down that path. There is a, a lot of people that use it in industries, uh, completely different industries. I've heard of dentists using it. I've heard of lawn care companies using it. In fact, I just uh, posted an article on my LinkedIn. Um, if anyone goes out there and connects with me, the, a great article of a, a lawn care company utilizing lean. So I think that's the first thing is, is the fact that lean is not just a manufacturing process. And I think the second thing is that so much of it is about problem solving and self-development. So, so the way Toyota looks at it, when, whenever someone goes through that problem solving process, it's also self-development. So you go through and you identify a problem and you work hard to solve that problem. Whether you solve it or whether you fail in that moment, you're learning something. And I think that's one of the best things that's really impacted me personally is taking that process of problem solving and realizing that it's not just something I do for work. It's something I do for me and everything I do and that it's a way that I can continue to develop myself. I can use it to develop people that I work with, develop entire companies by using that problem solving process and continuing to learn every step of the way no matter what direction we're trying to get or what business problem we're trying to solve. Well, Jason, we've covered a lot of information here today, but we still have so many more questions. I'm sure people out there in the audience want to know where they can get some more information. So how can they do that? Um, well, I think the first thing, you know, to contact me, you know, I have a website. It's it's not the easiest domain, I apologize, but it is eh 
IIP Consulting. That's ehipconsulting.com. And we've actually created a welcome page for your listeners. So if you go to ehipconsulting.com and then do forward slash scaling up, there'll be a welcome page for you guys there. And, and once you get to that welcome page, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can connect with me through my uh, signing up for uh, on email for some updates from me. I have a free download on my website that you can grab that talks about, you know, whether or not you should start your lane journey. So I'm on just about every social media platform and I welcome uh, anyone and everyone to connect with me. I I love building my contact list. So feel free. And I got to say, you post some great articles on LinkedIn. Thank you. I, I try, I have really put in, you know, we talk about the, the problem solving process and I have been trying to figure out what the right strings to pull and changing my process a lot on LinkedIn to try and figure out how do you grow that group, your network on LinkedIn. And, and I've been slowly finding the ways to, to grow that network and how to provide value for people out there through different articles and, and different content. So that's uh, my own learning journey that I'm going on from a social media standpoint, which has been fun. Jason, we've now come to the point of the episode where the point values are double and you could walk away with some very valuable prizes. So are you ready for the lightning round? Sure. All right. There's no prizes. Please, please don't want any prizes. Okay. Okay. All right. So (laughs) here we go. So uh, we talked about Toyota. I am a huge Back to the Future fan. So Toyota didn't make the DeLorean. Of course, DeLorean made the DeLorean. So we are going to get into the DeLorean. We're going to set the time circuits back to the very first day where you became a lean consultant. You get out of the DeLorean. You see yourself walking across the parking lot, going to your first consulting job. What advice do you give yourself? Yeah, I think I thought about this a lot uh, when I saw it on your question. So I, I think the big thing for me is I was not prepared for the sales process as being an individual business owner. You know, like I said early on, I, I was very fortunate that I had a lot of people looking for my service early on, but I had no thought or plan really for that sales funnel. So I've had to do a lot of using lean and the problem solving process a lot to develop that sales funnel and understand what do I need to do to, to continue to, to keep the business flowing in. So that was, that'd be my biggest advice, figure out the sales funnel before you, you take the leap. And again, before we had this conversation, I'm amazed that we're talking about the sales funnel, the sales process with the lean process. I just never put those two together. So again, you have opened my eyes and I'm sure other people in the Scaling Up Nation. That's great to hear. So what are the best books that we should be reading that help us understand the lean process? Yeah, there's a a few that I really go to um, when I'm recommending books. One, and I don't recall the exact name, the creator of the Toyota production system, his name is Taishi Ono. I believe it's T-A-C-H-I-E-O-H-N-O. And he has some books out there that were basically translated from his early journals when he was creating the Toyota production system. And I always recommend the Ono book because it is not technical it is more philosophy in why lean uh, the Toyota production system is what it is. And I always recommend that as an early reading. And that is a book that, from my opinion, I've probably read it, uh, I would say probably 50 times over the years, because every time I read it, I get something more out of it. Another one is a newer one, once again, not technical, more on the philosophy side, called The Toyota Way by uh, Jeffrey Liker. 
I would recommend that book. And another one would be The Lean Startup uh, by Eric Reese. And The Lean Startup, I would recommend that one simply because it's not about manufacturing. They're talking about product development and startups that are outside of the manufacturing space. And I think that's another good way to hear about lean in a non-manufacturing way. I'll make sure to put those on my show notes page. Now, here's a question. I don't know if you can answer it or not, but what's your favorite movie that revolves around lean? Well, it, it's kind of a joke in our industry. Many people that I, that I talk with uh, about the office space consultants. Sadly enough, you know, Toyota production system, TPS, they refer to the TPS reports. They have the consultants coming in. And even at the end of the movie, when the building is burning down, they show one of our lean manufacturing books burning in the fire. So it is it is very much a and I will say a satire, you know, a play on my industry. And as funny as it is, and I love the movie, it really kills me because, you know, the entire movie is about, you know, firing people and, and this and that, which is for those of us that were brought up from the, the Toyota approach that is very much against everything that we're for uh, in the lean movement. Uh, but it is a great movie. One of my, one of my all-time favorites. I love it. And I get a, I get a good laugh out of it every time I, I hear them talk about TPS reports and stuff. So... <laughs> So I have to ask, as a lean consultant, how many pieces of flair should somebody wear? I believe it's 36, but I, I'm not going to quote that right now. So All right. Well, you heard it here. <laughs> All right. So now you've got the power to talk to anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? You know, man, I, I debated on this so much and... There's so many great people through history. I mean, I don't know how I could ever ever settle on one, but you know, I'll get a little bit sentimental here, and I'll, I'll have to say that if I had a chance, I would go back and and talk to probably my grandparents, just because uh, just being an adult now, I just love to hear their perspective now on life um, versus when I was a kid. Um, just uh, like I said, get a little sentimental versus uh, a good one, but uh, there's just too many great historic people to to talk to to to, to be able to nail down just one. Understood. And I think grandparents is a great one. Well, thank you for coming on the show, opening all of our eyes to what lean actually is and how we should be considering adopting some of those processes for things we might have not have thought about before, like uh, sales. So really appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Trace. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Nation, I got to tell you, I never looked at lean manufacturing outside of the manufacturing process. But after speaking with Jason, it is a great tool to do exactly what we mentioned on the top half of this show, where you are trying to identify the real issues that are causing your problems. And I knew I was going to get phone calls and emails about the quote that I mentioned. So I looked it up on the great Google and Google said the quote, what gets measured gets managed was a quote from Peter Drucker. So for those of you that had money on that, there you go. The Google solved it. And when we measure items, we now are able to manage them. And that's what Peter Drucker said in his quote. So how do we know what we need to start measuring? And I love what Jason told us. We ask ourselves, what is our customer going to get the biggest impact out of? And that's what we should start measuring. 
So step back, look at your entire process and see where your customer will see the biggest value and that is where you should start. Now, maybe you can't find anything with that. And I'm going to suggest maybe you take a break from that and look at where you're going to see the biggest impact. And then if you can identify that, go ahead and start with that one and then come back to your customer. Folks, problem solving is a skill. And when you start looking at ways to make yourself better, to make your company better, you will get better every single time that you will do that. So what are some of the metrics that you have set for yourself this year? We started talking about goal setting. If you set a goal, great. Now put some metrics to it. What is the end date that you want to have that goal done by? and then come and work backwards so you can figure out each and every week where you should be and if you are on or off track. Folks, I hope you learned something from this episode. I sure am looking at lean manufacturing way differently than I did before. I use several of the items that Jason had spoken about in our business, and I hope that you start using some of those too. Have a great week, folks. 